0: Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday the 25th of September. I'm broadcasting out of Adelaide. My good friend Ben Dorries is sitting pretty in the Anne Street studio in Brisbane. I hope he is. You there, Ben? Yeah, I was just wondering where you were,
1: David. So nice to hear you're in Adelaide. (laughs) You are quite the mystery man, aren't you? I never quite know where you are from week to week.
0: I certainly am. Look, uh, it was a great day yesterday, and and no doubt, no argument, the horse that stole the show was Jackaday, producing a stunning performance to win... The Million Dollar Group won Golden Rose and now sets up a very interesting pathway. Will there be an Everest slot or do they go to the Caulfield Guineas? That was the major talking point out of yesterday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I suppose there's just so many Everest slots left, isn't there, that it just naturally comes into the equation. And, um, you know, with three weeks until the Everest, I think that's probably... Uh, we're going to have Mick Kent Jr. online to, to talk to soon enough, but I, I reckon that's probably ideal for this horse rather than the two weeks going to the 1,600 metres of the Caulfield Guineas. But uh, I've got a feeling that horse is an absolute freak, David. That was some sort of win yesterday.
0: It certainly was. And you mentioned the Everest only three weeks away. and Of course, we saw the Moya at the Valley on Friday night. Koolingatta won. I don't think she can win an Everest. I think she's superlative at uh, 1,000 metres, you know, maybe 1,200. But we'll talk about the Moya a bit later. Of course, racing yesterday in Toowoomba. It was Wheatwood Day and Cup Day. They had a big crowd there. I saw the pictures from Clifford Park. looked a great day. We'll talk about that, speak to a few of the players out of yesterday's meeting, and, of course, a feature race at Mornington as well. And, of course, lots of other highlights out of Rose Hill as we march towards some of these big races, of course, the Epsom, Metropolitan and Flight next Saturday, and, as we said, the Everest three weeks away. A lot coming up. So let's go to the Golden Rose. In secret, the Godolphin filly was always the favourite, but she was really backed, really heavily backed in the latter stages of betting, ran just outside of even money. Here's the replay.
2: Zoo Tiger being eyeballed by Golden Mile, Golden Mile moved up, really serving it up to Zoo Tiger, two lengths away to Paris Dior, In Secret going back to the inside, she's got a job to pick up, it's Golden Mile just in front of Zoo Tiger, a length away to In Secret, Golden Mile, Zoo Tiger, In Secret, Jacano storming home, In Secret up the fence, Jacono wide out. Jacano. Jacano got up with a heart stopping victory in the Golden Rose to knock off In Secret, followed by... Zoo Tiger, Golden it for third. Further back to Fire from She's Extreme. Sojada Malina, Dormier from Paris. d'Or, Promito Sebniak. Further back to Brosnan, Basquey, Fast Witness, and Political Debate.
0: A dynamic finish would be understating the the performance. Let's talk more about it. Our first guest this morning is Michael Ken Jr. Oh, he's on the line. Michael, good morning. Good
3: morning, boys. How are you doing?
0: very well. I was only thinking, i would watched this replay a couple of times and I think if you're ever down in the dumps or you're not feeling crash hot, just hit, hit a button and watch that replay again. That'll make yourself feel better because that was a stunning performance, not only visually but when you consider, I'd say looking at about the 400 metres Jack and I was probably giving in secret and golden mile, five to six, six to seven length start to run those horses down and delivering the sectionals that he did that was uh, one of the best performances I've seen for a long time, you know, for a three-year-old in a, in a Group 1 race.
3: Yeah, it was special. And uh, also leading in, like, on the day, it was hard to do that. You know, I was there all day, and uh, they weren't making a good amount of ground. They were staying towards the inside, and uh, he's gone and beat the right horses, too. In secret, was a heavily-backed favourite. She's run second. Zoo Tiger's a good colt, and Golden Mile was fourth. So... He was the only horse to get out of the pack and chase hard. And he had to produce four sub twelve sectionals, so it was a yeah, it was an amazing
1: um, effort of sustained speed. I am assuming you would have been on weather watch almost for the last sort of fortnight or, or three weeks because we've just had so many wet tracks, so much rain in Sydney for so long. Uh, this guy doesn't like it wet yet. He here we were yesterday, the soft five, I think, um, or was it a soft track in the morning, and and we got a good track. That was probably the the key to that explosive. First, we saw at the end.
3: Uh, isn't it great? And today at Sandown should be a good 4 2 at some point. So it's great to get these good horses back on good ground and see those good, you know, those good colts with a 10-foot-like Jacquino. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, also it was first time at seven furlongs and they went a really rolling tempo. So, um, yeah, a great display of stamina by the colt. He pulled up really well, too. So, um, no, it, it, it bodes well for him going forward.
0: The time for the race was one twenty two fifty six and the sprint at home leaded a winner, 34.54. So that first half mile was running 48. So a, a genuine tempo, not overly fast and, and not overly slow, a, a, a steady speed, probably a bit better than steady speed. So his sectional was, was uh, outstanding. I suppose the question is, and we discussed this at the top of the show, and this is what everyone's talking about, what happens now? Because, of course, Lindsay Maxstead the chairman of Coolmore, uh, Brad and, and, and Pardone's Jack Widow. Uh, over the last 24 hours, can you let us into what might be happening or what what has happened, if anything has happened?
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah, so prior prior to the run, we hadn't even discussed the Everest and we were thinking we'd come back to Melbourne two weeks into the Guineas at De Mar, which you'd be suited to. Um, obviously, Coolmore have got a spot. Uh, there's a few others there as well. And... Um, we, you know, we've had a few discussions. Uh, so that'll be up to Lindsay and um, and Simon Tuxton and the boys to work out what they do there. Uh, we think, as trainers, physically um, staying in Sydney three weeks between runs and freshening up for a 1200 would be a better thing for the horse. Uh, he's not the finished product. He's an immature colt. He's uh, not totally robust, and that would be easier on him than uh, you know, float trip back two weeks up to the mile and. You know, now that you've won that group one, he's sort of a as of an ex-back to the Everest, you know. Um, it's an extremely hard race and, and going to be hard to beat nature's trip, but, you know, um, those good horses can have their off day and uh, off a hot tempo. I think um, it's a similar program to sort of, yes, 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 it was also by Rubik, so it, it, you know, uh, three weeks coming back, hot tempo. He'd be charging home late, that's for sure.
1: Has he got? Uh, I mean, technical speed's the wrong word, but has he got sort of a little bit more versatility than he did when he was when he was two? Like he used to get so so far back, and, and yes, he was a fair fair way back yesterday. But but is he is he a little bit more sort of um, uh, you know? Could, could he be put in different places in a race now, or, or is he always going to be that real get back run on top?
3: Yeah, he's he better, Ben. He, you know, as, as a two-year-old, we had a lot of trouble with him in the barriers. He just was sticky. Um, I remember, you know, before the Blue Diamond, Damien coming down on the Monday prior and, um, you know, having a little jump out of the barriers so we got out cleanly and he cost himself, um, you know, leading into the Blue Diamond by, you know, being slow away by three or four lengths in that prelude. Um, and then... Um, you know, we found this time around he even though he begins better, he's still his first four or five strides, he's slow to muster. So I don't think the horse you'll ever see podied up in the first four or five. It's just not him. Uh you know, yesterday was the best he's ever jumped and he was able to hold a, a decent spot where he could win from. I don't think you would want to be any further back than that. Um but I, I just couldn't see him holding a, a closer spot unfortunately. So um lucky he's got a got a big booming finish. So he can sustain that sprint. So um, you know, Damien was very you know, full of praise for him yesterday. He said that's the best he's ever gone. When he went for him, he really quickened. He normally just lengthens and takes time to, to wind up. But he, he really chased hard yesterday. So, um, yeah, he's improving all the time. I think you, you look at the mounting yard. He's still got to furnish. He's still showing a little bit of rib and he's leggy and scopey. Um, he's going to be a magnificent colt in a year's
0: time. I remember when we spoke to you before, you mentioned about that lengthening of stride was one of the features that you liked about in this campaign. But to back to the Everest, it goes to show, doesn't it, how the impact of the Everest on Australian racing ha- has formed over the years. Here's a classic case. Who'd ever th- thought we'd be talking like this? Jack Rineau has won the Golden Rose 1400 in two weeks' time, the Caulfield Giddies, Group 1, stallion-making race in your hometown, uh... You know, it, was, it would be a no-brainer. But all of a sudden, with the Everest, here's option option B on the table. And I could tell by the way you were talking, you're quite excited about that, that Everest proposition because it is, it is exciting to think about it. Could he do it? Could he pick them up late and win?
3: Yeah, well, who's to say he can't? I mean, he knocked off half-cabin first up. He was awesome yesterday. Like, that was a very good field. As I said, the, the second, third, and fourth horse were near the front, down the inside. He was the only horse to get out wide and, and chase hard all by himself. And you're right, the Everest has been a magnificent success. So uh, if he goes and wins, the like he's got a good day already as a stud colt. If he goes and wins the Guineas, um, yes, it adds a value to him. But if he was to win an Everest, I mean, the upside is just enormous. Um, mm. You know, write your own ticket there. So, um It's a good problem to have for the owners.
1: (laughs) You could have, you know, you're a live chance or a strong chance, I'd suggest, of winning two group ones in two days. You've got Iron Thunderstruck, obviously, uh, in the Underwood uh, today, later today. Uh, What are your confidence levels there, and what do you consider your main danger? Is it the favourite Zaki, or do you have higher respect for the likes of Alligator Blood and Mr Brightside?
3: Uh, The horse is going super. Uh, I think he's really improved since last run. He's had a fault with preparation, so... I think you will go very close. Um, a lot of respect for Zaki, uh, but I think the one we have to be is Mr. Brightside. He's third up. He is going enormous. He has beaten after four, albeit on a heavy dong cast and we gave away five kilos to him. Uh, I, I think he will be the one to beat. Um, I just hope that we are within three or four lengths upon straightening, and it'll be a ding-dong battle the last 300, that's for sure. So it's going to be a, a great spectacle, and... Uh, but I'm confident in our horse. He is purring. He's just had a beautiful two weeks. Um, he's getting somewhere near his top, you know, third up as well. Uh, yeah, anyway, I think, I think he can go very close today.
0: It's going to be a great race to watch. Uh, from a Queensland point of view, we've all, all, always got a, a special uh, thought for Ayrton because uh, he created a lot of uh, conversation when he was up here the first time around. He resumes the test Rossa. Your thoughts on Ayrton's chances?
3: Well, they're greatly enhanced by this weather today. I'm here uh, at the Royal Melbourne Show, actually, at the moment, and sunshine and blue sky, and we're going to get an upgrade during the day. So good four is a massive tick for him. He doesn't like wet ground. Uh, He goes very well fresh. He's four from four. Uh, He had a beautiful uh, program. You know, he came down from a Queensland spell, and um, hence he's very forward in condition, and and, um, he looks great. So... I think he runs super. He's um, got to give away a little bit of fitness to Moody's horse, who won impressively first up. But he just goes so well fresh this horse, and uh, mm. yeah, he'll give it a real shake. Jamie Carr rides him well, and you know she's a nice flowing rider which suits him. He's got that big stride, and as long as he gets down the sand down dip, I think um, I
1: he'd be hard to beat. Last one from me. Oh, I love your training partner Mick Price, and I know everyone does. He's a, he's a funny bugger, as we all know, and a very <laughs> astute trainer. Tell us something about him that we don't know. So I don't know a little quirky thing behind the scenes, or a little—I don't know—a little, a little something you, you might be able to sort of throw a bit of light on the, yeah, the inner workings of Mick Price because he—he he is a funny character.
3: <laughs> he is. I, I remember when he wanted to release um, the news of me coming on board. He came to you first, Ben. So that was <laughs> a bit of history there. um he's—he's oh, he's an amazing man to work with. You know, uh, a lot of people. Um, you know, told me things about him before I got there, but he, he, you know, he's just the most honest, transparent black and white man you'll ever meet. He is such a hard worker. I mean, he, he beats me to work most mornings, uh, which is a testament to his drive. Um, oh, something quirky. Well, he's he's good with his motorbikes, isn't he? And I mean, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he had a little, I remember before the, the golden Eagle, when it was quite funny with Thunderstruck, he, a, a week prior, he, um, was hooning around his back paddock on his uh, um, Kawasaki you know, motocross <laughs> bike and he bloody crashed crash it into a water filter on his pool. And um, we're, we're, it was quite a funny day, Derby day. We had uh, the favourite in the Derby in the Coolmore. We both got beaten. We couldn't go to Sydney. And it had been a tough day. And when Thunderstruck hit the front of the Golden Eagle, I hoisted him up off the ground and he was cursing at me because he had. Broken ribs, but um, it, was, it was just uh, one of those amazing moments. But now he's just—I'm—I uh, I'm, am—I pinch myself. I mean, I think anyone in my boots would have done well with Mick, and I'm very lucky to be there, um, aiding him and uh, and the team we got behind us. It's—it's um, it's all going really well.
0: Great way to end the interview. Great uh, success yesterday. Hopefully the same today. Could be a really big weekend. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Bye. Michael Kidd, Jr. joining us this morning is our first guest talking about Jack Wino. Uh As we said, uh, superlatives uh, failed me. That was uh, an extraordinary performance. And you'd think, Ben, well, I'm interested in your thoughts, you'd sort of think the Everest seems the way to go now, rather than the Caulfield Guinness, just by what we've read and what we've heard this morning. Yeah, and it's not as if there's, uh, you
1: know, only one or two slots left. Like, I mean, if there was sort of, you know, one or two left, you might sort of think, well, you know, I don't know about this, but obviously there's a Coolmore connection there who have a slot. Uh, And Mick Price, he is, and Michael Kent Jr. as well, they are, if they're not the most astute trainers in the land, they're very, very close to it. So if they think this horse um, can be competitive, highly competitive in an Everest, I don't think we should doubt them.
0: And doesn't it add an extra dimension to the race, too, if it all unfolds as, as we're, we're talking about? You know, we've got all these speed runners. Well, you, you've, you've got the established champion there sitting there, nature strip, looking down at, at his rival, saying, I've got you all covered. And all of a sudden emerges a, a rookie, a three year old, who has this brilliant finish off a strong speed. It's got to be a strong speed. So it gives an extra boost to the race, too.
1: Yeah, and I think Australian racing is is crying. We've got a lot of established stars, haven't we? But we're crying out for the new kid on the block, the next, you know, young Group 1 star, which I guess we've already seen yesterday, given he won the the, the Group 1. But, um, look, to my mind, the most memorable Everest, and everyone will have their thoughts on this, but was yes, 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 just because it was, you know, just one out of the box. No-one sort of saw it coming, really, even a few weeks out. So... Um, yeah, I love having a three-year-old in the race. And, look, there's not too many three-year-olds standing out on stalks this year from, from an Everest point of view, but he could be one.
0: And there's a few comparisons there with yes, yes, yes. He ran in the Golden Rose. He didn't win. He ran second by the same stadium uh, that, that side Jack would Rubik. And, of course, um, as a three-year-old, he ran. he's run the quickest time in Everest history. I think he ran something like 17.36, so... There are a few comparisons there. Let's talk about the beaten division, and this was a race. Watching it live as I was at Morphettville yesterday, but then watching the replay, it's a great race to watch because you're firstly thinking Golden Mile's going to win. You're thinking, well, the uh, the less fancied of the two, Godolphins, All of a sudden, you see In Secret start to rally. The favourite bankers around Australia are saying, "We've got it." And then all of a sudden, this booming finish from Jack Winneau. So there was like three or four different parts or times of the straight where you could hail the winner, but in the end it was Jack Winneau. but But in secret, uh, very good. And the question I put to you is, uh, from Godolphin's point of view, Paul Ailey went reasonably on Friday night, but not, not outstandingly. Could in secret go to the, go to the uh, Everest be the Godolphin slot holder?
1: Yeah, well, look, I'd have, um, you know, I'd have that youngster over Paul Ali. From what I saw in the Moyer uh, on Friday night, I thought I thought Paul Ali was only just to tell you the truth. I mean, wasn't terrible, but not, you know, didn't stand out on Stalks. I think would on that run in the Moyer would get beaten out of sight. Min and Everest, I mean, potentially in secret might be as well. But at least there's some X factor and and some some untapped sort of potential, I guess, there, you know, from the, from the young up-and-coming three-year-olds. So, look, maybe Godolphin have got another horse uh, in their back pocket. But, I mean, if we like Jack and O, if Jack and O gets an a spot, I mean, really, it was, uh, it was a ding-dong battle between those two. In secret was only, um, you know, a quarter of a length behind in the end. So, yeah, it's going to be some interesting conversi- conversations for Vin Cox and the Godolphin team, for sure.
0: I think we'll look back at yesterday's Golden Rose and remember it as one of the more memorable in the, the race's history. Let's push on and look at some of the other black-type races and discuss them at Rosehill Gardens yesterday. We'll go to the Golden Pendant. Big field here. Espiona was the favourite. 450 metres
2: to run. Expat swings the corner in front by three-quarters to Nimely. Miravision stoked up in third. Then Papali from Palazapan. Dynasty's back on the rails and then came Catlin. 300 metres to run. Expat shows the way from Nimely, who's just about on terms. Papali going through the centre. Palazapan's heading the line hard on the outside. And Palazapan moved up to join Nimely. Nimely the inside. Palazapan the outside. Nose and nose to the wire. Nimely just... I think Nimalee a nose there to Beleza Pan. Papali the inside third, followed by Electric Girl, Catlin Espiona late with Dynasties. Uh, Close-up expat pat from Mirror Vision. Then came Gin Martini, star Tontes. Further back to Meg, Raduna, My Whisperin,
0: Dalcini. Fuck finish. This was another great finish, and the judge is not going to Nimali. Reagan Bayliss riding for Matt Smith. She drew... The outside gate and near the outside gate. In fact, the horse who drew the outside gate was the one she just beat, the Queenslander Paleopan. But she had the 58 kilos, but she's a top class mare and was able to exact revenge because a year ago she contested this race and Vangelic just beat her. But this year, Ben, victory was hers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, top by to 58, over, uh, you know, outside Barrier, had it all to overcome and did it magnificently. Um, interestingly, the um, the top two came from Barrier 15 and Barrier 16. You don't see that all the time, and Chris Munts must have thought he had that race with Palacipan. <laughs> boy, boy, that was another good run from that horse. But I think Nimalee now... Uh, certainly earned her chance, um, you know, at the Epsom, uh, you know, the Group 1 uh, next Saturday. So, look, I think the backup plan um, is going to, the, the the you know, the green button is going to be pressed on that. So we will uh, see her again then. And I think she's, she's earned nearly $1.5 million. I think underrated is a fair way to describe her. I know that term's thrown around a bit in racing, but I think she certainly is underrated.
0: I agree with you 100%. I was only thinking about this when I was doing some preparation this morning, that she's a mare who gets under the radar. She she is often at good odds, and she's not talked about a lot, but her record is outstanding. And, of course, she won the uh, the uh, Queen of the Turf at Group 1 level during the uh, Championships Carnival. But she's got a few good options ahead of her as well. The Epsom is there now. That That's, I think, locked in, the, the seven-day backup. No drama there, according to Matt Smith, but... Then she gave the invitation, that $2 million mares race, 12 runners. And of course, there's some great uh, mares races during the spring carnival in Melbourne. So, the world is her oyster, as they say. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, Chris Munn said the alley probably beat her. And he's probably right. But see, Nimalee drew 15, Paleopan drew 16. Nimalee pushed forward, outside lead, controlling. Paleopan got left stranded 3 wide. And she was 3 wide, no cover all the way. So,. Her run was was excellent, and she's another one who seems to get under the radar all the time. But she's she's really gone to the next level now. After you know being good in Queensland, she's she's performing well above her weight in Sydney.
1: Yeah, it just continues the theme of of Queensland horses this spring going down to whether it's Melbourne or Sydney, and um, and racing really well. What did you make of Star Tontes, David? Just I suppose too far back the the way this sort of race eventuated, beaten I think almost four
0: lengths. Well, I thought initially. Uh, when I watched the replay this morning, a run closed below the 200 metres and I was thinking, because I didn't watch her live yesterday, I think this could be a hard luck story, but then she had clear running, she didn't finish as impressively as she can do sometimes Um, and again uh, you know, you you said too far back, well unfortunately that's the, the, the tale of the tape with her, that's her style of racing, so she relies on luck, she relies on no traffic she relies on a genuine tempo if they don't come her way, well she's always going to be vulnerable, but I, th- I, I expected a little better of her, what did you think? Yeah, probably the same
1: um, David, but look, I guess we know on her day, she is I just can't get that straw broke, uh, sorry the Tats Diara out of my mind when she was just <laughs> yeah, seemed to be a million to one last and just finished like a steam train, and so we know Star at her best, is a force to be reckoned with.
0: Espiana ran fourth, and Chris Waller makes a good point and, and And watch the replay. She's she's getting the head on the side. So, whether something's affecting her uh, physically, or not, I don't know. I, I thought the run was was better than okay. I, she was a long way back. I think she only had about four behind her, and they didn't go overly hard. And she made up good ground. So I thought it was a good run. Uh, we probably expect, well, some expect more of her because she's always had this boom on her. But maybe that boom or that shine is just starting to to lessen or, or fade a bit. Let's go to the ninth race of the day. This is the Shannon Stakes, uh, a Group 2 event. Here's the replay. Ellsberg
2: turns in front of Surf Dancer, who's called upon in second. Old Flame moves into third and then came a tissue down the outside. Surf Dancer moved up to join Ellsberg, a length away to Old Flame, then Big Boy Roy into tissue. It's Surf Dancer, a half, three quarters in front to Ellsberg and Old Flame, but Surf Dancer's going strongly and Surf Dancer goes on to beat Old Flame. Ellsberg third, then Kerwins Lane, further back Dr Driller tissue, Big Boy Roy from Pinarello, Mount
0: Popper, and four, home two. Surf Dancer likes to go out, make his own luck, roll forward in his races, and he's very hard to get past. Regan Bayliss riding him, of course. Reagan was on Nimalee, partnered Surf Dancer for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott. Adrian's joining us now. Adrian, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I was just talking to... Uh, we were talking just to Michael Kent about Jaquino, the options that are available in the old days, pre-Everest... He'd be a Caulfield guinea starter for, for sure and certain, but here's another case in point with your horse surf dancer, you know normally you might be thinking about an Epsom, but of course the big dance, another new race, another race worth big money that's the the, the plan for him
4: yeah it, it is um, you know and that was always the plan since since he qualified or, or, or won a qualifying race um, at the end of his last campaign. that wasn't sort of too long too long ago, but um, I, I guess being first up there yesterday probably probably uh, took away the temptation of, of backing him up um, the following week into the Epsom. Um, you know, I, I guess in fairness he'd always shown um, plenty of promise and been, been quite consistent throughout his career with us but, but obviously went to a new level level there yesterday um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess originally the, the big dance always looked to be a very nice target for, for, for good prize money on um, you know, I, I guess a, a, a selective field so um, yeah, looked a looked a nice option, and, and I think we're
1: probably best to stick with stick with that uh, with that target in mind. With all these new races and you know prize money everywhere and funky named races like the Big Dance, you sometimes scratch your head when you're doing the programming from these horses. You're just sort of sport for choice, I guess these days, aren't you? Yeah, look, you, you certainly are, um, and, and and yeah, I guess um, you know particularly
4: with some of the new ones, um, sort of working out how they can fit into the program and just sort of. Um, yeah, changing sort of some traditional lead-ups that you may have had, or um, the campaigns, the timing of the campaigns, um, whether you sort of bring them in earlier, later, keep them up for a bit longer. Um, yeah, a few different sort of ways to look at it. Look at it. Um, look, I, I know there are a, a lot of options around, and and some may say those new sort of pop-up races sort of may, whether it sort of takes away from from some of the traditional races or not. I, I guess at the end of the day, if it if if it is sort of able to give. Um, you know certain horses opportunities to be racing for that for that levels of prize money surely that's a you know a, a big benefit for the owners if there's a, a greater return um, going back to them um, you know after all they're the ones sort of putting in significant amounts of money in the industry um, so if we can sort of help help get that return back to them whilst uh, keeping the industry healthy with with good field sizes and turnover obviously that's a you know big positive all round.
0: i think any owner worth their sold adrian would agree with you that's being spoiled for choices certainly Not a bad thing. Just tell us about Surf Dancer in terms of the big dance. He won the South Grafton Cup. That was his qualifying win that got him into the race. It's a $2 million race over a mile at Randwick on Melbourne Cup Day, so the 1st of November. Uh, I don't know the answer to this, and hopefully you do. Is it a handicap? How how are the weights structured?
4: Yeah, I have to go back and have a look at those. um, exactly what the penalties are, sort of just... uh, only felt that after winning yesterday <laughs> yes. <laughs> whether, whether that was a, a good result for us or not <laughs> going forward to the big dance but uh, uh look you know we wanted to take every opportunity that you can with the horse along the way um yeah obviously he sort of got to that race with a nice light weight and, um yeah we yeah the, the, the sort of probably looking at a couple of nice race options for him going in into the big dance and if he sort of didn't quite necessarily uh if he just ran well in those races we, would have thought we were right <laughs> on target for where we wanted to be so for him to sort of Put a nice forward performance in like that. Um, you know, certainly very encouraging. Um, and it probably opens up, yeah, whether we look at a, what what sort of options we now look at um, going into the big dance. There, there, there are some, um, you yeah, know, whether we sort of keep him in Sydney, look to Melbourne or, or, or not. Um, yeah, that we'll just have a look around sort of now over the next couple of weeks and see what we do. Obviously, got a little, little bit of time to get there.
1: And, of course, it was a terrific feature race double for you yesterday, Adrian. That was a really tough staying effort from uh, Grove Ferry. Uh, assuming the Metropolitan is, is probably on the cards there?
4: Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I thought he sort of saw, saw that trip out strongly. Um, so that was sort of very encouraging to see. And um, he gets into the Metropolitan with a nice lightweight weight. Um, you know so those sort of big handicapped fields with a, a bit of pressure in there uh, that'd be good for him sort of sort of allow him to to settle and find a position sort of get into a, a nice rhythm which is sort of the key for this horse and um, yeah it's a the it's a race that we've used uh, previously and quite successfully with horses going through the metropolitan i didn't quite realize gay's incredible record that, that was in the tenth win she's she's had in that race which is um yeah, quite 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 remarkable uh, but yeah most recently we've sort of used it uh, used it. Quite successfully, come up, come up very close in the metropolitan a couple of times um, with the winners. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully is one that can can uh, better that record.
0: It's a special race for Gay because that was her first big win uh, with Tiako Nick 1992, 30 years ago. There was some, some entertaining racing at Rose Hill yesterday. And speaking about Grove Ferry, this was another one of them. Great race to watch because you looked as though you had cadre de Noir for most of the straight yet you were never really confident because it kept fighting harder than you're watching Herman S out of the corner of your eye. It was a great, great spectacle.
4: Yeah, it was. You know, um, you know, I was sort of really confident with the way in which he uh, travelled into the race. Um, you know, the, the first few furlongs just getting him to settle, um, you know, if, if he continued that way throughout the race, it would have been very difficult for him to stick on. But uh, once they sort of got round that, uh, that turn and into sort of the back straight, uh, the race, he, he really... Uh, dropped the head very quickly and just found a nice, beautiful sort of rhythm there, and um, I was very happy to see that from that point on. And then, as I said, when he when he when he picked up and sort of peeled out and travelled up, sort of quite strongly, I was um, yeah really happy from that point. Uh, obviously, that was sort of the first win he's had for us. So getting into a, a tough fight fight like that was probably you, you never full of confidence until he sort of finally got the head in front. Uh, but I, I think you know, that'll be good for him. That'll sort of really really bring him on nicely.
1: And obviously the Group One Underwood today, Adrian. Uh, alligator Blood is an eight-dollar chance in a six-horse field. Uh, wow, we there's some big guns in there. Zaki at two dollars fifty. I'm Thunderstruck two ninety. Um, Mr. Brightside five dollars. It's a real clash of the tons. Uh, two questions for you. Do you think you can win? And secondly, I reckon it's uh, just fascinating to see how this place. There could be a bit of. Jockeying in this race. Where do you think you'll end up in the run? Will you lead? Will you sit off Zaki? What, what, how do you how do you see the race actually panning out? Yeah, look, it's a um, yeah, no, really, really exciting race. I'm looking forward to it. Um,
4: look, we've got a, a, an advantage of, of the inside draw and got good tactical speed, so we're going to utilise both of those. Um, you know, push forwards on that draw and take up the running. Um, not at all concerned by the 1800 for the first time. Um, yeah, I know he was sort of caught there late over the mile, but that was sort of still early in his campaign, and still felt a good improvement uh, off that. Um, so, yeah, he's he's done well, and uh, I think we've seen that improve. He's, I think we've seen him take that improvement throughout throughout his work this week, and um, yeah, uh, he's got a nice natural racing pattern there. He's, he's comfortable in front. He's uh, he settles, and you know, obviously Tim's. Um, Tim can be sort of quite aggressive in, in that regard as well. So, um, yeah, want to want to utilise that draw, take advantage and take up the running and, um, yeah, as I said, we're, we're not sort of going to be taking it up sort of, we're not approaching the race with the uh, worrying about the distance for the first time or any concern there. So, we're um, yeah looking forward to taking it up.
0: Quick one before you go. In the Congo, was it the trials at Warwick Farm on Friday? What's his plan?
4: Uh, looking to get him down to, to Melbourne for the uh, for, for, for the Matacato, um, yeah. obviously things never went right at all there for him first up, uh, just sort of, was the smallest sort of field, I guess, at, at, at the valley over the thousand metres and, uh, he was just sort of caught, caught very wide in a, in a, in a tough speed battle. So he got a bit lost out, out there and, um, you know, really struggled around that point. So, um, just brought him back to Sydney, he's had a bit of time. Uh, to get over that run, Troll up great, looks in fantastic order. So, going to get him back down, yeah, for the Manicado. 1200 meters, I think, will be a uh, different sort of race complexion there, and you know, hopefully, we can see him um, draw a bit, draw a bit better, and um, you know, you'll see a see a different horse next time he steps out at the Valley.
0: Thanks for your time, mate. Always appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Adrian, bottom the training partnership with Gay Waterhouse, uh, winning with Surf Dancer and. Yeah, I'm not quite sure of the weights there, Ben, but but I think Surf Dancer is going to be mighty hard to beat because a lot of his rivals will be coming into the race with lesser form, so to speak.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it was uh, another uh, terrific day for that uh, training partnership, wasn't was it? I have a feeling Alligator Blood can win today. I, I, I just liked... I, it's a small field, only six horses, no speed. Uh, takes up the running, like Adrian said... Uh, Yes, did get nailed on the post by Iron Thunderstruck last time, but, I mean, Iron Thunderstruck $2.80 today and Alligator Blood $8. I think there's too much discrepancy Mm. between those two horses. Yes, uh, there are four legitimate winning chances, but I think he's got a very strong winning
0: chance. And how often do we see it at Sandown? They just stroll in front and they they go down that dip and sprint home, and if he's got a full head of steam, he is going to be hard to beat. I I tend to agree with you. Let's have a listen to... Grove Ferry winning this Colin Stephen Quality Group 3 race. Fun Fact leads by three quarters to Cadre de Noir who's just
2: inching closer just lurking up on the outside followed by Herman Hess still tucked away as Grove Ferry pulls out now Fun Fact swings in front cadre de Noir pounced Grove Ferry pounced as well and Grove Ferry moved up on the outside of Cadre de Noir they beat off Fun Fact Grove Ferry gets ahead a neck in front to Cadre de Noir Herman Hess two lengths away coming off heels Grove Ferry just in front of Cadre de Noir it's Grove Ferry Ahead in front to Cadre de Noir Grove Ferry, brave victory Grove Ferry ahead on the line to Cadre de Noir Herman has closing in at a third a gap to Mohican Heights Fun Fact and Monreal
0: Grove Ferry is $15 for next week's Metrop and Nimalee we mentioned before going to the Epsom she's also at $15 in the The Mile feature. Let's go to our final replay from Rose Hill Gardens yesterday this was the Heritage Stakes and was chopped about, half the field came out there were only six runners
2: to the turn they race now and it's Simeon with the ears pricked leading by three quarters to Economics followed by Opal Ridge who's staying nailed to the inside as they straighten up. It's Semion just in front but Economics quickly moved up on the outside and takes the lead clearly. Economics has raced two lengths clear from Simeon, Wingardium, Hawaii 5-0 going through the middle but Economics is well clear inside the 100 metres from Opal Ridge and Hawaii 5-0 and Economics off some sharp trials. Way too good in the Heritage stakes won a by two lengths to Opal Ridge. Hawaii 5-0 in the third. A gap back to win. Guardian Semyon weakened out to finish towards the rear with another cognac.
0: Annabel Nishan gave Economics two runs in his first campaign in the autumn. Uh, second at Musselbrook and then won a scone maiden tipped out. I think got under a few of the uh, experts' uh, guards yesterday because this was well back to win this race, but didn't feature a lot of morning uh, morning discussions but looked good winning.
1: Yeah, it was never actually looked like losing, I don't think, this horse. So if you if you um, backed it I think it started about four fifty, four sixty, you you were counting your counting your money a long way from home. Of course, as you referenced David, this race was gee whiz, it was mucked around a lot of scratchings and of course best of Bordeaux, uh was a dollar ninety, $1.90, dollar ninety five I think before coming out on race morning with a might have been an elevated temperature, nothing too serious. But, um, yeah, that turned the, the, this race right on its head.
0: That was Rose Hill Gardens yesterday, as we've been outlining this morning. Big day next Saturday, traditionally big day. Epsom Day, the Metrop, and, of course, the, the flight stakes, all at Group 1 level. Speaking of Group 1s, let's go to the Valley on Friday night. The Moyer Stakes, the 1,000-metre sprint, was at Group 1 level. Here's the replay with Matt Hill. Zoo Style pressures Cool and Gatter through the gap. 500
5: metres to go from Generation behind them. They were followed by Rothfire and Balanipatina's tried to keep him in, but he's three wide. Rothfire from Balanipatina and then Paul Laley stoking up from Malever and behind those horses Melkovich. Cool and Gatter around the corner. 200 metres to go. The filly led by two links. Balanipatina, Zoo Style and then Rothfire. Cool and Gatter. 100 metres to go. Balanipatina wearing it down. Cool and Gatter a neck. Balanipatina. Pertino going to get close. Cool and Getter has just won from Balanipertino. Photo third, Zoo Style or Generation. Then Rothfire, Paul Layley, a gap September, Unbeliever, Isotope, and then came Malkovich, the Inferno, and extremely
0: lucky at the tail of the field. Well, she took benefit from that first up run in the McEwen Cool and Getter, uh, and Jamie Carr riding at the 50 kilos used Barrier One to full advantage, punched through and was able to just hold on. of course, Kieran Maher and David Eustace not only providing the winner, but the one that was chasing late, Bella Nepotina, so the Quinella to, to Maher Eustace.
1: Yeah, and the way the track was playing on Friday night, I think, you know, obviously barrier one, and, and you needed, uh, in most races, it was a strong advantage to be up near the speed. Um, and with only 50 kilos on her back, um, yeah, it was a terrific win. So was the runner-up. I thought Zustol was huge again. Um, beating the length and a half, but to hold on for third... Uh, didn't have the easiest runs. I, I think... I don't know what Tony Golland's going to do with this style, but I tell you what, he'd be a live chance in, say, a Winterbottom in Perth. You know, like if he just backs off him or, so, or something and sends him over to Perth, for instance. Um, I mean, he'd, he'd start one of the favourites in a race like that, I would have thought. But, um, and look, Rothfire was heavily back, started the $3.10 favourite. Um, he was sort of buffeted around a bit, um, just in between horses there and, and never really got a sort of clear look at them there at one stage. Uh, it was been less than two lengths. I thought it was a pass mark. The thousand meters at Group One level, um, yes, he won first up. Uh, you know, at Group Two level, thousand meters. But I'm just not convinced Rothfire is a thousand meter Group One horse. So I think just you know 1,200 meters, 1,100 meters, 1,400 meters. Yes, um, but I just was always a little bit concerned they were Potentially going to find him find them a bit nippy, and you know he certainly did that. But onwards and upwards for Rothfire. Far from disgraced.
0: I'm going to use one of your words. You use it a lot, you know, and I've never picked you up on this. where we <laughs> yeah, I do, actually.
1: you, <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to have a, have a crack at that other word I use a, a, a lot? That, no. Uh, no? Okay. no. No, no. Righty- okay, because
0: yeah. I can't see you eye to eye. But also, one thing in your spot on, we. what does style have to do? He's flying.
1: Yeah, absolutely yeah. low flying. I mean, I'd love to know what Tony Golan's going to do with him. I mean, he potentially is going to so good he keeps him in Melbourne and just, you know just tries to reel off a group one down there. But, um yeah, that winner bottom, um, you know, not the strongest sprint race in the world. I think it would be an mm. ideal race for a horse like Zoo style and, you know, very rarely rains in Perth, obviously, as well. So it would probably get a nice, firm track, which he would like as well, I'd suggest.
0: He's never gone better and he's not winning, but his run on the McEwan was fantastic when he missed the kick and then three wide on a brutal speed and just kept fighting away. Uh, those two runs have been, have been fantastic and... Um Colin Gannett, well, of course she was the Magic Millions winner earlier in the year. I think that was twelve hundred. I think that was will be regarded as a substandard Magic Millions, and then she struck a heavy track in the Golden Slipper. But I think she was everything aligned for her there on Friday night. Um, the track condition certainly not too wet, um, and a thousand meters. I think that's where she's most effective, and of course she won the gym Crack at a thousand as well. 1,200, I think, is around the limit, but more than likely she'll go to the Manicato. Speaking of Group 1 racing, don't forget, of course, the Underwood Stakes today is the the, the big feature, but there's a host of black-type races. Mark Hunter will be previewing this meeting uh, in our preview segment, so keep that in mind. Let's take a short break. We'll come back and have a look at racing in Toowoomba yesterday, Wheatwood Day and Toowoomba Cup Day. <music> Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. All of the information on Archer Park is at their website, archerparkracing.com.au. Have a look. Let's go to Toowoomba yesterday. The traditional sprint feature for the city is the Wheatwood, presented by Audi Senator Toowoomba. Great betting race. In the end, though, the visitor flying crazy ran the favourite for Gerald Ryan and Sterling Alexio at $4.60.
5: And it's Grey Worm in front, led the way about a long neck over Axie outside Tears of Love third, Mass Destruction is next, followed by Hale Manhattan and F Troop, then came Garibaldi, Legal Esprit, Worms well back in the field, clear over Bonaparte, Flying Crazy, Emerald Kingdom and there followed by Redouble back next to last on the bend and Bender Per Corners in back last but 200 to travel it's Axe in front, sailed away by Two Links, Mass Destruction, Garibaldi Hale Manhattan down the Outside. It's Axe in front. Garibaldi mass destruction flying. But Axe! Axe has won the Wheatwood. It's beaten mass destruction. Garibaldi Wham. Followed then by Bonaparte legal Spree, Hail Manhattan Phoenix with Grey Worm. Tears of Love. Banda Purr flying crazy. Well back to F troop. Then came redouble and Emerald Kingdom at the tail end of the field. And Axe has won the Wheatwood.
0: Yes, Axe, of course, coming out of the gold market, just being beaten there, but going one better yesterday. And it was a thrilling finish, as Anthony Collins uh, outlined in the broadcast, with Mass Destruction and Garibaldi, the Gollans' stablemates, charging late, but when the post came up, Axe was there to win. Sam Collett riding for Jack Bruce, who's only been training a short time. He joins us this morning. Jack, congratulations.
6: Thanks very much, David. Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure to have you, just for our Sunday audience, because we've spoken to you during the week, but some of our listeners uh, mightn't pay as much attention during the week, they've got jobs to do and things to do, but just give a brief background to where you're at now, how you came to become the trader that you are.
6: Well, um, I'm a Kiwi, very proud of it, and um, I, uh, I spent the last sort of 10 years in Sydney, I was assistant to Burnt Baker for a number of years, I did a, a small stint with Chris Waller and most recently I've been running um Karen Maher and David Eustace's Sydney stable stay which they have had about fifty in work for the last two years and I think they've just increased their size now, uh, or their footprint in Sydney. So those were sort of the, the three shaping roles I've had and um I suppose I got to the point where I was had always been keen to train in my own account and I thought the time was right and I wanted to come to Queensland and um yeah, I've I've been up here since April uh about the middle of April, I came up. here, trained my first horse in May. So that's, that's a little bit of a timeline on me. I remember, Jack, uh, soon after you arrived,
1: sitting at a uh, at a bar with you. I think I'd had about 43 rum and cokes. You might have had a few beers. And we were discussing <laughs> yeah. exactly what we're discussing now about your, your background or whatever. But I reckon if I'd have told you then that your first 42 starters would produce 12 winners, a strike rate of almost 30%, including a stakes winner... You would have fallen over with excitement it's been a fabulous start of your career hasn't
6: it no you're exactly right, Ben. I would have fallen over, and um I suppose I coincidentally, I was just on the phone to my barrier about five minutes before you guys called uh and I sort of said, you know if I would be looking to grow my stable to sort of the size it is now in the sort of next three to five years and it's happened in about four months so it has been it's been an amazing time um for me but also it's very exciting and I suppose I haven't really ever focused on these sort of statistical things I just want to make sure I'm placing the horses as individuals which is something I've learned from the the previous trainers I've worked for is that you just have to look at that horse in isolation and find where it's going to run best and you have to do that you know times however many you've got so that's what I've been focusing on and I suppose the bigger picture has all come together which has been really nice but Yeah, the main thing is just every time you have a horse and work, you're trying to get the best out of that particular individual and place it to best effect.
0: You gave us your background of where you are now or where you came from to where you are now. Give us the background of how you came to get Axe. Well, it's interesting. So
6: Michael Costa, who is the previous trainer, and Bjorn Baker before that I'm both uh, quite close with. And um, anyway, when Michael was going to Dubai, I'd been chatting to him about it. And he'd said to me, look, there's a few in my stable that you need to have if you're starting training. And one of them was Axe. And I said, oh, okay, well, thank you, Michael. This is very kind of you. And he said, well, I actually own a chunk of Axe, and obviously I can't have that when I leave for Dubai, so I'll need to sell them online. So he said he'll be going online in the next month or so, just make sure you're on the ball. So anyway, I I paid $55,000 for my thingless digital some of the original owners stayed in, so that was half the horse, and then I sort of got some new people in, and that was the other half. So I've, I've got my two, uh, well, my former employer, Bjorn Baker, and uh, Michael Coster I thank for, for me having X, And obviously, since he's been here with me, Michael had sort of made the comment that his last preparation, he wasn't himself, and if I could get him back to the form of winter 2021, I'd be having some fun, and I think we, we've done that, and it's been really good to see And
1: you've overcome a few uh, adversities with him. I mean, the two starts you've had him, barrier 12 of 12 in in the gold market and barrier 14 of 14 yesterday, so two outside barriers. You must have thought he was in this race up to his ears and then the barriers came out and you must have had a bad feeling in the your stomach for a few days there.
6: Um, Were you you, you fairly (laughs) nervous with that barrier? Oh, I did, I did. And I, 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 I basically said to the owners on Saturday morning that your horse is really going well, but you know the outside barrier in a Wheatwood Handicap makes it almost impossible. So, you know, i said, said we'll, we'll just do our best from there and our main aim is the Magic Millions and running in these races is great and it's all a stepping stone and I think we should just enjoy today win, lose or draw and keep our fingers crossed for Sam Collett. But, um, no, it all it all worked out really well but yeah, I was actually going to scratch him out of the gold market as well because we drew wide, he was first up for a long time, but just the lack of speed in that contest gave me a bit of confidence, and after he ran second there, I thought, well, we can roll the dice in the Wheatwood, but I think he's got the, enough natural speed to make it work.
0: What do you do with Axe now? Because he's only lighted to this preparation. He's only had the two runs. Yeah, well, that's a
6: good question, because um, I've been thinking long and hard about it. He's a bit of a strange horse mentally. He really enjoys his routine, so... I'm thinking that I may not give him a break. I may simply just keep him ticking over. And there is a good series of races. I mean, I think there's an open handicap over 1,200 Eagle Farm in a few, three and four weeks' time. You've also got races like Starlight States in Sydney at the back end of November. Um, and then you've got the Keith Nowd on the way to the Magic Million. So whether we can run in all of those is probably questionable but i think there's enough races to just see how the horse is doing and pick and choose our marks between now and the middle of january and jack obviously a lot of you or maybe all of your horses
1: really are, are tried horses at the moment are, are you getting to the point where look are you going to be active at the two-year-old sales um you know in the next over the next six months or so or, or how, how are you going to sort of frame your business going forward
6: well that's that, that's another interesting question because i have thought long and hard about this and i possibly will active at the two-year-old sales I do want to make sure that um, I'm strong in that triad horse market because that's where I see plenty of opportunities um, the sprinting ranks in Queensland are very strong coincidentally so that's why I'm sort of you know it's been great to get a result with axe but you know the staying ranks is, is somewhere that can be targeted um, for horses whether you're buying them as yearlings in New Zealand or you're buying triad horses from overseas they can be very competitive up here um, and two-year-old racing is something I do want to target in the future So that will probably start relatively small in January I wouldn't be out to sort of buy the budget too much But I do want to get a collection of nice yearlings in January And, and try and um, make sure I have a presence in those races going forward But I think you know these are long-term goals And at the minute I'm just trying to take each horse I have And make sure I'm placing them well
0: just before you go, I hold grudges on people and on horses, and matter with Tarkby, I was on it when it got beaten at Eagle Farm with the good odds. I thought it was a moral of the Gold Coast, but it had every chance, and I'm actually in Adelaide. I wasn't at Toowoomba yesterday. I so see it got beaten again, so this is what I'll test you out to try and win a race with.
6: <laughs> yeah, he will. he will, but to be honest, he's actually going really well. Um, And that's not great to hear for punters. Um, But it's one of those scenarios from a training point of view, you're you're really happy with all those runs. You think it's building to a nice, you know, victory at some stage. But, yeah, for punters who have put their faith and money in him, it's not good to hear. But he is going well. I think in hindsight, probably 1,300 back in (coughs) distance and around Toowoomba may not have been a clever idea. And I think that really showed itself because he was off the bridle at sort of the 600 and then he was making up ground the last 100. So he ran really well, but I think we're going to need to keep him to 1,400 and further and on bigger tracks.
0: I'm sure we'll talk to you many more times, but as far as yesterday was concerned, a good milestone in your career. Congratulations.
6: No, thank you very much, and thanks for having me.
0: Jack Bruce joining us this morning, and uh, a very promising trainer, Ben. Great wordsmith as well. Puts his words together impressively.
1: Yeah, I can imagine he would certainly be uh, you know, attractive if you were... You know, looking to spend, you know, not not sort of blow the bank on a horse, but we, you know, perhaps take a small share, a small share in a in a tried horse, or maybe a, you know, a, a, not a cheap two-year-old, but a, you know, something that doesn't blow blow the budget. He's a he's a good man, Jack Bruce. He's an intelligent guy, and uh, with some of the, his pedigree, working with some of the people that he has in racing, I'm sure he's destined for big things.
0: Was that 43 rum and cokes or 43 bourbon cokes you had? Don't drink bourbon, David. You don't know me that well. I hate bourbon. So it was rum.
1: Hey, you know what I've just discovered? Well, I've literally been doing this show for four million years. I've just discovered there's a button in front of me that you can press. Like if I'm going to have a cough or something, yeah, I'll yes. press the mute button. I've just, just literally discovered that. There you go. Uh, anyway. Exactly.
0: I'm just thinking about you on 43 Rum and Coke. It's a frightening thought. Let's go to the Paddo show. First two-year-old of the season. And an impressive winner here called Bedorb.
5: Now Felix the Scad, one of the best supported, couldn't sight them with a 3.03 and Badaub kicked away. 200 to travel, dashed away by two lengths over Mashani Raider, followed then by Adelaide down the outside. Bedorb in front, they're coming thick and fast, Mashani Raider and Adelaide lad on the scene. But Bedorb. Badaub, Badaub has won the Patoche and it's beaten. Adelaide second, now Russian Alliance ripping through the pack there in a minor place with also Mashani Raider. And they're followed by it, the head of the rest was Felix the Scat and Mashani Cruz, Mashani Tycoon, and Mashani Star. Further back in the field, too, at the head of the rest was uh, Betty Beers, also top fan, and Magic of Milo at the tail end of the field. And Badawb has won the Padoche.
0: The old firm of Michael Nolan and Dr. Kim McCasker, and of course, out of uh, the McCasker Mayor Tints, that was a, a good money spinner several years ago. Steph Lacey rode and. Good win by Bedorm, outside leader. Pressure was on, but responded well.
1: Yeah, they went like last week's pay in this race, didn't they? They really scampered along. And, of course, this um, youngster's a half-sister, as you, you know, referenced there, to Hinged. You know, Michael Nolan's... Well, I shouldn't say Michael Nolan's grew one winner. He obviously, you know, Hinge did start life with Michael Nolan, uh, went to Chris Waller, um, and has done so well down there. But, yeah, great to see those colours. It brings back so many memories, doesn't it, of Laurie's Lottery. And I think that was the fourth Padochet plate that Michael Nolan's won and interestingly my colleague Trenton Akers penned a story last week in you know, in the days leading into this race, and there's a school of thought from some trainers that, you know, winning this race is, is, you know, so early in the season can be more of a curse than a blessing. But Michael Nolan said, No, 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 he said I really like winning this race. It can produce a good horse and he might have found one here.
0: Exactly right. Let's go to the Toowoomba Cup, good finish here.
5: Don straightening up for the run of the judge. In the cup. Seat of power in front. Aussie Nugget down the outside with Bartholomew Diaz. And they're followed by Sale Welsh Legend down the outside. Seat of power led the way. Aussie Nugget inch by inch grinding away. They split it. Photo finish! It's either Seat of Power or Aussie Nugget, not sure. Third red wave, followed then by Welsh legend and Bartholomew Dias. Close up was Sale Chocolatier, then June 45 and Count the Coin. Our Spider for next, well back in the field, are in your element and also Honourable Spirit who beat only a couple to the peg, including Dream Timer and Stubai.
0: Happy hunting ground for Jack Duncan because he won this race with Wapiti last year and coming up trumps with Seat of Power. Yesterday, Jimmy Orman riding. I thought Aussie Nugget had him, but seat of Power fought bravely and even with four kilos more was able to, to stave off Aussie Nugget to win with Red Wave third.
1: Yeah, I still don't know how Aussie Nugget didn't win this. I was on Aussie Nugget, of course, and I thought it was just counting McCash. cash. But, look, it was a really mixed day uh, for Tony Golan, um, You know, around second and third in the Wheatwood, it was another second here, and um, sadly lost in gear uh, as well, who had to be euthanised earlier in the day. So... Um, yeah, it was a really mixed day for um, Brisbane's premier trainer.
0: Yeah, certainly was. Well, over the highlights from racing in Toowoomba yesterday, our final replay comes from Mornington, where the Reg Anson Classic was the listed feature. Here's the replay. Varimli still three lengths in front as they come to the bend. In second, Saracen Knight and he's setting sail big time after the leader. Two lengths away, Impulsa, Harmisian, Varimli in front, Saracen Knight within a length, within a half. Saracen Knight moves up to Varimli, Saracen Knight takes the lead from Varimli, well back in the field running on as Impulsa with Harmisian but it's Jamie said classic, an easy win. Saracen Knight has beaten Varimli third, I think we'll go to Harmisian, Port Guillaume and King of the Castle late. followed by Impulsa behind those runners, pulling up the good fight. Tiger, Tiger, well back in the field. Irish Flame and Swelter Magic last... He had a trip up to Rose Hill, Sarah, Sydney, but back to Mornington there. It was successful for Danny O'Brien and Jamie Carr. Old expression, she'd been on the broomstick. I think she won, what, five races yesterday?
1: Yeah, five winners from six rides at Mornington, and that came after a double at the Valley on Friday night, uh, including, obviously, the Group 1 uh, Moyer Stakes that we talked about earlier. Mm. So, look... Um, you know, she's just back in business. I think she now leads uh, the Metro Premiership in Victoria by four uh, over Damien Lane, and she'd just be probably a dollar thirty to win that. Um, to win that uh, again, I would have thought. That's our program. Thank you very much, my good friend. No, wait. Do you think you'll make an appearance in the studio next week, or you're sort of in Tassie next week, or North Oak <laughs> Island
0: or where do you think you'll be? I'll be. I'll be back later in the week. Good talking. Watch out. Good on you, mate. There he is, Ben Dorries, joining us this morning. On Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Thank you for your company as well. Don't forget Mark Hunter's preview coming up for the big underwood stakes day and stand down. I look forward to your company tomorrow morning on Press Room. We'll talk then.